0: Welcome to the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. Hi everyone, this is Michael Zerner, one of the managing partners at WE Family Offices. Thank you for joining me today for the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. Also joining me today is Matt Farrell. Matt is our Head of Investments. And what we're gonna talk about today, uh, we've been talking for those of you who listen regularly, we've been talking about the effect of rising interest rates on the global macro economy, on the capital markets in general. And we've spent a few sessions really talking about the impact on the bond market. What we're gonna do today is talk about the impact of rising rates on the private investment markets. And we'll talk pretty broadly, ranging uh, uh, everything from private equity to private credit, to private real estate, to venture capital. But uh, just as uh, rising rates and the fact that rates are expected to stay higher and uh, for longer than anticipated, uh, there has been some very important impacts in the private investment arena as well. Matt, welcome. Thanks for joining. And could you just give us your broad perspective on how the rise in
1: rates has affected the private investment market? Sure. Hi, Michael. Nice to be here. First, I think, I think we should talk about private equity because higher rates has a direct implication and um, managers' ability to do transactions. And the reason for that, within private equity, they use debt to fund acquisitions of portfolio companies. And when there's a higher rates, um, that makes it more expensive in order to do the transaction. And at times, the math just doesn't work. It, it ends up not being a good return for investors. And so, um, buyout should be challenged for the foreseeable future with higher interest rates. Um, Second to that, just capital markets have slowed down in general. We've talked about it in venture capital with IPOs slowing down, but also mergers and acquisitions have slowed down um, considerably, and that directly impacts buyouts as well. And so just fewer um, acquisitions means the less liquidity and fewer distributions for investors. Um, So one impact is going to be fewer distributions and the second impact could be returns. And the reason for that is higher cost of debt means two things. Either they're going to use less debt and more equity, which makes returns less attractive. Or if they use, continue to use debt at higher interest rates, that's also going to impact returns. Um, so there, there's considerable headwinds there. And you know the impact could just be lower returns. And that can be visible through IRRs or internal rates of return. When we think about IRR, it's time is the enemy of IRR. Um, So the longer you hold an investment, the lower IRR you're going to have. And so when you see these slowdowns in capital markets, it's just going to prolong investments, so fewer distributions, and also just a drag on IRR because you're holding positions longer.
0: So, Matt, if I think about that and I think about myself as a private investment investor who's been diligently investing through uh, vintage years over the last five or six years, things that I might have committed to in 2018 or 2019, which all oh, else being equal should be starting to be realized in 23, 24, 25. I'm hearing a couple of things. One is I should probably reset my expectations uh, on what my IRR return should be, Uh, they'll be positive, but they'll be lower than they otherwise might have been uh, without the rise in rates. And two is it's likely going to take me longer to
1: see the distributions, uh, all else being equal. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. So it it takes, you know, considerable amount of planning from a liquidity standpoint, you know, ensuring that you have sufficient capital, you know, to fund whatever liabilities or, or needs that you have. Um, And it's also a consideration for your future allocations, right? Because if you're employing a private program and you're seeing fewer distributions, there could be scarce capital to deploy to the next investment. And so, you know, there are multiple implications.
0: And, you know, Matt, you talked about the use of leverage and how that is making it, you know, the use of leverage is sort of a, a core part of the private equity uh you know business model and investment model and and it's making it harder uh to use leverage and more expensive to use leverage and that's having its obvious uh impact on potential returns but one of the things that we've been reading a lot about in the press is that a number of gps in the private equity space have been using different kinds and new kinds of loans to support their portfolios. Uh, known as NAV or NAV loans. Maybe you could talk a little bit about sort of what you see happening in that space and uh, what you think the implications could be.
1: Sure. So tr- as I said, traditionally in private equity, they'll use debt to acquire a company and that debt is sourced from everywhere from traditional banks. But you know, traditional banks have, have tightened lending standards and, and their capital requirements have um, you know limited the amount that they're going to do somewhat. And then you also you have the, the private credit markets to, uh, to issue debt um, but the reality is that debt is, is quite expensive as we talked about due to, to higher base rates and so the benefit of, of nav loans or net asset value loans is that instead of you know uh, an individual transaction to where you're using debt to acquire a portfolio company managers are able to collateralize loans by their entire portfolio. So you can have 5, 10, 15, 20 underlying portfolio companies as collateral, and they're able to source leverage to do a variety of things, whether that's additional transactions or generate liquidity to limited partners and investors, um, or just use to, to juice returns. And so, it's just a another tool that's you know come out recently, somewhat recently, that enables them to navigate the current environment. And there are a few implications here. You know, I, I can see both sides of the equation to where you know they're being creative and it's you know somewhat lower risk because it's a diversified collateral pool. Um, but the flip side of that, as well, is you know we're potentially entering a recession or a slowing economy, and so is it a good idea to take on additional leverage at this point of time? So it's it's something we're keeping an eye on, and it's you know fairly recent in making the news. But I just think it shows whenever there's you know these interesting times in the market with with a a lot of uncertainty that you know managers will will innovate and come up with ways to to continue their business.
0: So clearly something to keep an eye on. Um, So we've talked, Matt, about the impact of of higher rates and rates being higher for longer uh, on the private markets in general. And we've concluded that, um, number one, return expectations should probably be lowered a little bit uh, from when interest rates were zero. And two, that it's going to take longer uh, for companies to realize uh, and pay back their uh, investors, which has implications to investors in terms of their cash flow. Um, we've also talked about the innovation uh, that uh, the general partners are using uh, to uh, uh, operate in this world of higher rates. Having said all of that, where do you think there are opportunities that come from uh, higher rates uh, with respect to the private markets?
1: Sure. Well, I, I think private credit is a, a fairly obvious one. You know, we talked about their role in and funding debt for acquisitions of, of portfolio companies, but not just that. Just regular operations of of you know corporations that maybe there's a temporary headwind, or um, you know, they're unable to access traditional banking uh, for for credit, and so private credit can step in and fill that void that you know has been left by traditional banks as as they've. Increased lending standards and just reduce the amount that they're lending in general. Um, so private credit is able to command these higher, you know, spreads uh, uh, for these underlying loans. And so on one hand, you know, it's something to to watch out for if you're an LP on the private equity side, but it's also an opportunity for you to be an LP on the private credit side. And um, you know, I would just caveat that with never wise to put all eggs in one basket. And so while there's an opportunity with traditional corporate credit, we, as we say, it's important to be diversified by your underlying credit exposure. So whether that's an entire, you know, company that you're lending to and you're secured against the, uh, the company itself, or if it's an individual asset that's, you know, ring fenced and you're lending against a particular asset. And, you know, there's a variety of ways that you can gain you know, exposure to credit with different underlying exposure, So it's important to be thoughtful about, you know, diversifying the month's credit exposure, but just given the higher base rates, that's one of the more attractive opportunities out there. And you're able to lock in a certain return profile and, you know, essentially wait out what's going on in the public markets with, with the so much uncertainty.
0: Okay. Thanks. Uh, I think we'll leave it there for today. One of the things that I'd like to uh, have you come back and talk about the next time uh, is, Uh, We've talked about the impact of higher rates on most of the public equity markets. Now we've talked about it on the private markets, but I'd like to do a little bit of a discussion about the impact of higher rates on hedge funds and uh, the different underlying strategies and how there are both uh, risks and resets similar to private investments, but also there are opportunities uh, in the hedge fund space. So I look forward to that conversation. Sounds great.